Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Got a lot of good feedback on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187. A lot of good texts we'll get to in a few minutes. But first, we got on the phone lines my guy, my good buddy, John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. Newly retired from the Houston Chronicle, but still putting in a lot of work. John, we definitely appreciate your time this afternoon. What did you think when you saw the... The deal, the reported deal for Tom Brady and his uh, services when he decides to retire and be a broadcaster. Okay, the first thing I thought about was when Fox got into the NFL television market. It was a humongous story. They paid a record amount of money. People thought there's no way it'll last. There's no way they're going to make money, and they paid $500 million. <laughs> And now to think that Tom Brady... Is going to get $37 million a year. It's just mind-boggling. And he should thank Tony Romo because mm-hmm. Romo took the salaries for television analysts who are former quarterbacks into a whole new stratosphere, and Brady has taken it into a different solar system. Right. No, he really has. And that, that money and that report, I saw it, I thought, wow. And that's not even uh, right now. That's when he retires. So they're going to wait on him, which, hey, I don't much blame him. Do, do you just, I mean, this game is just blowing up so much. The salaries are blowing up. We talk about gambling money all the time, but you got all these different networks like Amazon getting involved. I mean, this is, this is becoming huge, John, and it's almost like an everyday event now. It's not just a season. Now it's almost every day of the year, uh, 365 days. I think when it comes to salaries, we've been numb to it because they go up, and I'm for players, everybody getting everything they can because the owners, their franchises are worth billions, and they go up every day. And when they really, really get to where they know what they're doing with gambling, like they do in other countries, it's going to be, it's going to make the franchises worth even more. But I got to say this, the Brady deal was so spectacular. It's been been the lead story of every talk show, Mm -hmm. all over social media. The publicity that Fox is getting out of this and will continue to get to until he retires, whether it's after next season or after the 2023 season, they saw the benefits. Now, what I'm wondering, it did not leak. So I'm thinking he must have used an agent who specializes in these kind of deals. And since he's going to get 375, what would have happened if Murdoch would have drawn the line at, say, 350? Would it have fallen apart? (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) Probably not. Probably not. He would have got that money. He would have got that 350 and said he would. He was happy with that. That's that's incredible money. I mean, they didn't even want to pay Troy Aikman six million dollars a year, but they're going to give Brady 37. And he's never done it. And I'm not judging him, but he's never done it before, John. I think the loss of Joe Buck and Troy Aikman caused them to reevaluate, and I think that's smart to do that because uh, when they look at, okay, here's what we. Here's what we gave up. Now, let's see. What can we do to get back in the game in a big way? And I think that's, that's what they've done. It just, it's just mind-boggling mm-hmm. when you think about this contract and what it does. Now, the next guy you know, is not going to get that money. We're talking about the greatest quarterback in history. 
Whose brand, uh, it's not just a sports brand. Right. It's it's an all-world brand. And it's funny how much money he has. Yeah, he could do more endorsements if he wanted to. I've seen estimates that his wife, Giselle, makes $80 million a year in, uh, with all the beauty things that she does. So it's not like he needed the money. I think the agent must have said, okay, we'll do it. How many years are you talking about? Oh, how about 10? How about five? Nah, I don't think Tommy wants to do that. Well, how about 10? Okay, all right, here's what we want. See if you can make it work. And they made it work. <laughs> they and did. That's to the Murdoch's credit. Man, they did. They absolutely made it work. We're talking right now with John McClain from the Houston Chronicle, talking all things NFL. How about the NFL, in my opinion, hijacking Christmas? They're having Christmas games, the primetime games, when normally we think of that as an NBA day. But uh, what are your thoughts on them taking over Christmas as well? Well, I've covered games on Christmas Day when it falls on a Sunday. I remember one year the Oilers went to the 49ers and beat. Steve Young on Christmas. It got humongous ratings, as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. And these will get humongous ratings. And the only losers are the NBA because nobody's going to try to claim that the NBA is as popular as the NFL. Some people think because of gambling cue that we're headed toward the NFL playing games every day of the week. I don't see how that's possible. They would have to do some serious magical scheduling for teams that say played on Wednesday, but they can do it. And you know, Q, if there's money to be had, nobody is better at making it than the NFL. Nobody has a PR machine like the NFL does. That's thing with the schedule. You'd think, I remember, remember just a few years ago, it was, uh, they released it in April before the draft. It got attention for a day. Then, okay, it's back to the draft. Now, of course, they're rolling it out a little piece of time, <laughs> waiting for us to get the final big bite of the steak on Thursday night, and we're all transfixed on the edge of our seats. They, we are. We are. I've been talking about that. It's been a slow drip process all week long, talking about the different games and these networks releasing one game here, one game there, and then the full meal deal on Thursday. John, when you get the schedule in your hand, when you see it, uh, what do you look for? What, what, what is immediately like the, the number one thing that you're, you're looking for on a schedule when it's released? Up until this year, Q, I always look at the Titans because Nashville's become my home away from home. I've been doing radio up there for 26 years, and I love going up there. I host charity events. So I always want to know when they play at Nashville. But this year, for obvious reasons, everybody down here wants to know when they're playing the Browns. And we don't think it'll be early because of the possibility of Deshaun Watson being suspended. Mm. We're hoping that that game will be in the latter part of November maybe even December or possibly the last game in early January. So that's the one people are going to be looking at here. I was asked on my show in Houston today if I thought it'd be a nationally televised game. And I'm thinking the Browns can do five nationally televised games. They've got a lot of opponents who will draw a much bigger rating than their game would be with the Texans. So I'm not looking for that to be a nationally televised game. 
Right. No, I, I think that they'll get plenty of attention without uh, without the Texans, but I can see everyone in Houston being uh, locked in on that one to see when they do play the Cleveland Browns. Uh, John, I wanted to ask you about the situation going on here in Las Vegas with the Raiders off the field, the little business side of things with uh, the president no longer there or the interim president no longer there. We found that out late last week. Uh, as far as NFL investigating different situations, hostile work environments been thrown out there, uh, how do you think that they go through and kind of navigate through this situation? I think that you got to get in line. They don't have investigators who can all work at the same time. Like the NCAA used to, that's not the way it works now. So they may not get around to the readers seriously for a year or two. Mm. And uh, by the way, on the schedule, the, the second game that fans here are most excited about is a game against the Raiders. Because <laughs> I know so many fans... As it is in every city, they want to know when their team is playing in Las Vegas. Right. Because that is the number one road game on the schedule. So I have so many friends who are eager to see, and they're going to rush out and buy tickets immediately, and I certainly don't blame them. No, I don't either. I actually got a couple of buddies that are big Texans fans that are saying, hey, man, I'm headed your way. As soon as, as, soon as that schedule is released, I'm headed your way. So uh, so roll out the carpet for me so uh, so I can uh, have a place to stay. So, yeah, that's I know that that's. Yeah, yeah. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> you tell them they're not staying at your house unless you've added more bedrooms. Right. I get first I get first dubs. That's right. That's right. And I got a good room for you. I got you hooked up. Don't you worry. Uh, everyone else is getting, uh, you know, they get the couch or they get whatever. But you got a good room for you. Don't worry. I got you hooked up. Uh, no doubt about that. Uh, <laughs> as far as, uh, how about the James Bradbury situation? The story with him, the, or the Giants released him. I just saw a report that the Texans were thinking about trading for him. Do you think the Texans would have interest in him? No, they were interested in him back before they traded for Steven Nelson okay. and drafted Derek Stingley Jr. Um, they could not reach a contract agreement with him. They were going to give a low pick. And uh, people here tried to portray it. Oh, he didn't want to play for a loser. If they had given him the money he wanted, right. he'd be here. But they didn't, and he's not. And so I would imagine now he's going to go and get the most money. And I'll say this, Q, if he was really good – the Giants would have found a way to work it out. Teams can always keep players if they really want to. If you have a great receiver and you don't want to spend the money to keep him because it could have ramifications at other positions, find a team like the Raiders that do mm -hmm. want to do that. So uh, in Bradbury's case, he's just looking for the money. Right. I don't blame him. Not a thing wrong with that. No, no, not at all. I keep thinking that the Raiders should make a move for him because he did play with Patrick Graham or under Patrick Graham last year, and I think it would be a good uh, veteran cornerback for the Raiders to add to that defense. But uh, the money's got to be right. You're right. The money's it, – it's what it's all about. It's all about the money. So we'll see how it shakes out and how quickly he ends up signing. Uh, the, now, the Texans did draft Derek Stingley Jr. out of LSU. I like him. I was a little concerned with the, the injury history. What did you think about that draft pick by Houston? Everybody says, Q, that in 2019, when he was a freshman, a true freshman, and they won the national championship, I remember several people telling me that kid could start in the NFL right now. Mm -hmm. And then he got hurt, and he missed. I think he only played 15 games the last two years. He had a Liz Frank injury, tried to play with it, could not. And so now he's healthy, ran a 4-3-7 at his pro day. 
So they're really excited to have him, of course. And uh, they're really uh, – he'll be a starter from day one. Right. No, Lovey Smith should like him. He's a heck of a player, and he could have I, – I remember seeing him his freshman year at LSU, and he was fantastic. So hopefully he's 100% healthy and stays healthy and go out there and does what he does because he is really good, and he's got, the, obviously, the family ties as well. A uh, long time in the NFL with his father. So, uh, yeah, that should, be, uh, that should be fun. It should be interesting to see how it all shakes out. Well, John, what are you working on these days uh, while you're not on the radio with me? I'm glad you asked because Jalen Petrie, the Baylor safety, who you know well, was yep. second-round pick of the Texans. I worked at the Waco Tribune Herald while I was going to Baylor, left there in 76 to come to the Chronicle, and I'm doing a freelance story, a free freelance story for them on Sunday for Jalen Petrie. be the first time I've written for them since September of 76 and i'm excited about it nice that's awesome i was so excited for petrie i was excited for jt woods uh all those guys i mean they baylor had a lot of representation in the draft this year that was really stinking cool and then you look at ut and they had nobody drafted not one person it's the second time in seven years but you know what q they always win march Right, right. They always win in March. No doubt about it. John, thank you so much for your time, my man. I appreciate you. Have a great week. Thank you very much. I'll talk. All right. Sounds good. There he goes. John McClain from the Houston Chronicle, uh, recently retired from the Houston Chronicle, but still doing a lot of freelance work. And uh, JT, JT Woods is a really good story. He ended up going to the Chargers, but uh, Jalen Petrie, the second round pick going to the Houston Texans. Both of those safeties were really ball hawks when it came to uh, what they were able to do with the silver and black. So many thanks to uh, John McClain for his time right there. Before we take a quick break, let's cut to Juan real quick. Juan the Smasher right here in Vegas got something on his mind. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, my man? What's up, Q? What's going on? Hey, man, I'm chilling. Yeah, man, I just want to chime in on uh, Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. And, you know, and every time I used to watch the draft, I would watch Willie. Rest in peace. He would always say uh, Happy Mother's Day. That's, so, uh, that's right. Always, I always remember about that yep. all the time. And also, uh, I want to give a, a shout-out to Josh Jacobs, man. That guy is a local hero. This guy did a... Uh, I went to his camp. Nice. I couldn't take, yeah, I, I couldn't take my son because, um, you know, it's all good. But I, I'll, I'll take him next time. But other than that, man, it was it was cool. It was awesome to see all those little kids. And just like the impact, again, the handoff by Josh Jacobs, it, it, it really goes a long way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's awesome. That's awesome. I remember talking to you on Friday about it, so you were able to go out there, huh? Yeah, I was able to go out there, but I just couldn't take my son. But it's all good. There's going to be more chances and more uh, opportunities for me to take my son because he, he's only three years old and he already knows his name and his number. And I'm, I'm, I'm over here in the living room putting on highlights and stuff, and he's over here trying to run like Josh J. Nice. I like it. I like it. Well, good stuff, man. I'm glad you got a chance to go out there. And, yeah, man, Josh Jacobs is doing some big things and was able to uh, host a camp with over 300 people out there. So that was fantastic. Thank you for the call, my man. I do appreciate you. Yes, sir. Have a good one, Q. All right, brother. There he goes. Juan the Smasher. And, yeah, that's uh, old man Willie. You saw always uh, at the draft when he announced the second-round pick. Always said, and fa- fathers and fellas, don't forget your don't forget your mothers. You know, make sure you uh, call your mom on Mother's Day. Sunday is Mother's Day. He would always uh, focus in on Mother's Day. And so uh, that's something that we definitely uh, have to do. And uh, I was able to spend some time, some brief time with my mom on Sunday. Thought that that was really cool. Uh, of course, the wife uh, got to spend some time with Vinny Bonsignor and his family as well on, uh, on Mother's Day. So uh, shout-out to 
all the mothers out there. We definitely appreciate you. 319 is the time. We'll come back, get to some more calls and texts. Uh, 702-365-9200. Sam and Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Asking the question about Nelly Aguilar. There's a lot of conversation floating around Twitter about would the Raiders want him back? Should the Raiders want him back? Well, I want to hear from you. What do you guys think? Holler at us. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. We've been having a lot of conversation about Nelly Aguilar. Is there a possibility that he could be returning to the silver and black? I don't see it, but there's a lot of people that do. A lot of people that are for it. So I've been throwing out the conversation, throwing out the number, 702-365-9200. Want to hear from you. Your thoughts on the situation. Do you even think that the Raiders need a wide receiver? I think that they need a corner. I think that they need a linebacker and they've been addressing the linebacker situation more than they need another wide receiver, but that's just me. And like I said, always open to hear what you have to say. Speaking of linebackers, somebody that the Raiders are very familiar with, at least Raider nation is very familiar with visited with the team today. That's linebacker, Nick Wachowski, uh, who was uh, released earlier this, uh, this off season. He, he met with the Raiders. Uh, I don't know if there's just kicking the tires on them. I don't know if that's just a little fact finding like they did with Darius Phylon earlier in this off season, but, Nick uh, Kwiatkowski met with the Raiders today. That's per Tom Pelissero of the NFL Network. So uh, I, I like what they've done so far with the addition to Kenny Young just on Monday. Uh, now, you know, maybe maybe this is just some more depth. And, and the thing about it is, this is the other thing that I want to continue to kind of hammer home so everyone realizes. Right now, they're filling out a roster for 90. That's what the, the key number is, 90. So uh, if they go and get get a guy right now, like I saw someone say, oh, the Raiders don't need any linebackers. That'd be a waste of a roster spot. You have 90 of them right now. So if you bring them in and, and you have a plan and you want to see if he works out, go for it. Now is the time to do it. Leading into training camp is the time to do it. You don't want to be on the outside looking in when all of a sudden you look up and you're like, damn, need a linebacker. Oh, who can I call? And they don't have an idea. So that's another reason why they're doing the, the, the fact finding, doing their due diligence right now. Maybe it's a guy that they have no interest in bringing in right now, but if someone gets injured heading into the, into the regular season, Someone gets injured in training camp like we saw last season. Oh, hey, uh, yeah, remember when we brought back Nick? Uh, he was in, you know, he, he actually looked like he was in uh, a good place and was healthy. And, yeah, you know, okay, he could play this role. So, I mean, that's that's just what they're doing. So when they bring all these guys in, it's not, you know, like, oh, this guy is going to be on the roster. I mean, it's just, it's right now, it's filling out a 90-man roster, and I believe they're around 89, 88 to 89 players right now. So they still have room to, to make a move or two. And then, of course, if they get to 90 and then they bring someone else in, they just have to release somebody. But that's that's the beauty of having a 90-man roster right now uh, as opposed to the 53-man roster. Now, when it gets down to that, now all of a sudden, that's when you see the mass exodus. You know, we talk about offensive linemen, tackles, corners, linebackers. When it gets down all the way to 53, there's going to be plenty of them available. Not saying that they're all guys that you want to go grab and throw right into the starting lineup because most likely you wouldn't do that or else they wouldn't be out there available. But... You can get some quality depth there as well, and I, I just think that this this team is is putting things together uh, the way that they know how, you know. And I think that this front office under Dave Ziegler is doing a really good job with trying to come up with, uh, you know, come up with the right mix uh, of players so this coaching staff can go out there, coach these guys up, and they can go out there and do what they do uh, in a division that's going to be very very tough for really strong teams. You know, I think everyone 
probably is in agreement that the Chiefs are the team to beat until they're not, you know, since they've won the division so many years in a row. I mean, you have to give them the nod. But after that, I think it's all up in the air. I really do. I think it's wide open. Like I say it all the time, wide open like some old school TV antennas. I feel like it's really wide open like some old school TV antennas. Just, you know, it, it just, it is what it is. There's going to be teams that are going to beat up on each other and eight or nine wins might get you a wild card spot. You know, a lot of times we'd say that it takes double digit wins to get into the playoffs. It might not in this division, just being based off the way it, uh, you know, it shakes out. So, you know, it's, it's, it's all, uh, it, it's all good. Um, Got a tweet from Elvis says, think he was a captain at one point. Eh, I might be wrong, though. Uh, talking about Nick Kwiatkowski. Yeah, I, I believe he was a captain at one point uh, his first year with the silver and black. Uh, he's what do he do? He was under he was under Gunther and he was under Bradley last year under Bradley. Didn't really do too much. He was more of a, a backup type role. Uh, but maybe, you know, Patrick Graham, the new defensive coordinator of the Raiders, sees something in him that he likes. So, uh, you know, it's it's again at the very end of the day. It's just do doing due diligence, and that's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to be kicking the tires on just about everywhere right now. I uh, got a text from the 69187 keyword R&R, Salmon Ash text line from Geese Mode. We don't have time to look in the rearview mirror, Q. Eyes only forward on the prize as championships. Expecting no less from the Raiders. That's a no for me on Aguilar. Also, that last caller mentioned Mother's Day because it's celebrated today in some circles. It's Mexican's Mother's Day. It's Mexican Mother's Day today. Uh, that's from Gizmo. Thank you so much for that. And uh, it's it's funny that you brought up Mexican Mother's Day. And I tell you about the times when I sold Kirby's all the time. I actually sold a Kirby on Mexican Mother's Day one day. We were in what city? We were in Santa Cruz, I think. Yeah, we were in Santa Cruz. We had gone. We had gone on a road trip to Santa Cruz. And uh, I, I didn't realize it till we were halfway there. And they're like, oh, it's today's Mexican Mother's Day. And so that little nugget right there, when I got into this house and I was trying to sell this Kirby, I brought it up to the lady who it was obviously a Mexican house. And I, I said it to the lady and she was like, oh, how'd you know? And I was like, okay, how did I know? Been celebrating it for years. <laughs> I've been celebrating it for years. What are you talking about? You know, and so, uh, yeah, so she bought a Kirby from me, so that was cool. Uh, but, hey, you, you got to do what you got to do, man. <laughs> Whatever it takes to get that thing sold is what you do. You know, you become best friends one way, one how. Uh, everyone will buy a $2,000 machine from their friend. <laughs> Bobby's looking at me like, hell no. You might be my friend, but I ain't buying a $2,000 machine from you. Uh-uh, I'll vacuum my, my house with something something minor. I don't blame you. I don't blame you, Bobby. Good stuff. Uh, also got another text at 69187, keyword R&R. The reason why Nelly wasn't getting big uh, yards per catch numbers is because he's been used as a slot wide receiver his whole career until he came to the Raiders and they moved him to the outside. Okay, that's fair. Because the, the one year with the Raiders, he averaged 18 yards because he was stretching the field. The rest of his career, he's been around 12 yards. That's That's been the top, 12, 12 yards per catch. And that's fine. Again, 12 yards per catch is not bad. It's not at all. I take a first down every time you get a catch, right? I mean, you're extending the, 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 uh, the drive. I'm okay with that. I just think that a lot of people see that one year and think, oh, man, they're going to do the same thing. And I just don't see that. I don't see that. And then Josh McDaniels had him last year, and he put up minimal numbers. So I don't I just don't think that it's a it's a good idea. And it might not even be something that the Raiders are even thinking about. This is probably more just a Twitter thing. And you know how Twitter is. Twitter is gonna say some outlandish stuff at all times. Man, Twitter Twitter runs me hot sometimes. Sometimes I just have to walk away from the conversation. Dude today that was trying to test me for real. <laughs> he was really trying to test me on Twitter today, and I just said I, finally I just said, Hey dude, I'm done with this conversation, man. This conversation is going absolutely nowhere. I'm good. And so that was the end of it. So I just sometimes, man, that Twitter verse is, uh, is a whole nother world. Uh, I got a text here. 
No, uh, no go on Nelson. Edwards' development is already behind schedule, and Nelly would only delay that. Go Raiders, go Dubs. Grizzlies still ain't one squat, and Brooks should stop shooting threes, but hopefully he doesn't stop. That's from Raider Steve from beautiful North Northwest Nevada. Uh, thank you, Raider Steve, for that. And uh, yeah, man, I hate to say this about the Grizzlies, but just saw the update that John Morant has been diagnosed with a bone bruise, so he's expected to miss the rest of the playoffs. Though the Grizzlies right now are down three-one to the Dubs after losing a game last night that they had no business losing. Uh, I couldn't believe it. I sat there and I was watching the whole game, and I kept telling the wife like the Warriors aren't winning this game. They stink in this game. They went 0 for 15 from three-point land until they finally hit one, and that was Otto Porter. It wasn't Steph. It wasn't Clay. It wasn't Poole. It was Otto Porter, and Otto Porter actually hit, what, four of them last night? I just I, I couldn't believe it, and somehow the Grizzlies just kept letting the Warriors hang around and hang around. They should have put their foot on their neck and just ended it a long time before they ever had a chance to come back in that game, and they didn't. They couldn't get it done. Uh, they took a bunch of bad shots, as you mentioned, and, well, the Warriors are the Warriors, and they found a way to win it at the end. And uh, it, it looked, it almost looked like it was planned that way. The Warriors had no Steve Kerr. They had Mike Brown. I thought, how fitting on the day that Mike Brown gets announced as the Kings head coach, uh, the Warriors were out there playing like the Kings. That's all I kept thinking. I, I kept thinking of Space Jam when uh, the Monstars stole all the talent. I was like, damn, is that really the Kings out there pretending to be Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Draymond Green? What is really going on? They stink tonight. And, well, even though they stunk, they still found a way to beat the Grizzlies. And uh, all I saw on Twitter from DeMond, and there was very little communication with DeMond after the show yesterday. I mean, I think I started texting him immediately after the show, talking about trying to plan out today's show. Got no response. Called him a couple times. Got no response. Then today he's sick. But the only tweet I saw from him was Grizzlies in seven. That's all he's kept saying every single day. Every time that the, the Warriors win another game, he's like, okay, Grizzlies in five. Okay, Grizzlies in six. All right, Grizzlies in seven. So after the next win, he ain't going to have nothing else to say. <laughs> so it's kind of like it's kind of like his hoop game. There's not too much to say at all about that. I, I hate to see guys injured, though. John Morant is fantastic to watch. Lots of fun to see out there uh, doing what he does. And hopefully these knee injuries, once the season's over, he's able to, to really heal up and, and be okay because, I mean, he's dealt with knee injuries a couple times so far this season, and I would hate to see that that be the reason that kind of slows him down, similar to what Steph Curry had early in his career when he had his ankle injuries. I just knew Steph wasn't going to have a long career because of those ankle injuries, and luckily he was able to basically redshirt for a year and uh, get those ankles right and get the right braces out there, and so he's obviously turned into the player that he is now, but, man, I thought for a minute there that Steph was going to have a very, very short career. <laughs> Got a text from the 408, what's a Kirby? <laughs> it's a very expensive vacuum, my man. Very expensive vacuum, uh, about $2,000, and I spent a little bit of my, uh, my life selling Kirby vacuums, going door to door. Uh, it's not the easiest occupation, let me tell you. Matter of fact, me getting, my biggest issue was not selling the $2,000 vehicle, or the vehicle, $2,000 machine, which actually is like operating a vehicle. My biggest issue was actually getting you to say, yeah, come on into my house and vacuum uh, a, a part of my carpet. That was the hardest issue for me. Me convincing you to let me in your house was the di most difficult part. Once I was in, I was good. Once I was in, I was going to get that money. I mean, I, just one way or one how. I was, it was going to work. I had to flirt with a girl one time. She was not the best-looking girl, but I had to flirt with her, and I got it. I got it. Made it work. Now, she canceled on me a couple days later. <laughs> they always had two days. They always said you got two days to, uh, to cancel it, and she canceled on the second day. So that kind of stunk. But, I mean, hey, you know, once I'm in the house, I'm good. I can make friends with anybody. So I was able to sell those. But, yeah, it's like a $2,000 vacuum that we used to sell door-to-door. -door. 
you sell three in a week and you basically don't have to come to work the rest of the week because you made a lot on commission. So uh, you're good to go. But yeah, we were that guy that uh, knocks on the door and says, hey, I got to show three of these a, a day to get college credit. I didn't go to no college. <laughs> I wasn't in no college. That was the old hustle. And then people would say, oh, I have a sign that says no solicitation. Well, I'm not selling anything, so I'm not really soliciting. I'm actually trying to offer a free service. Like, I still got all the lines. I still got all the good lines, man. I still know. Right now, someone's driving around trying to sell some Kirby's. Like, man, shut up. You're telling all our secrets. My bad. <laughs> I can't help it. It was uh, it was good good times, though. Uh, Sir Whiskey Ray hit us up. Said, Q, don't worry about DeMond being out today. He's just a little under the weather. It's okay. I'll give him plenty of TLC under my supervision today. He's got an unlimited amount of hugs and kisses here. Sincerely, Kayla and the Golden State Warriors. That's from Sir Whiskey Ray. Kayla makes another appearance on the show. Even when DeMond's not here, Kayla makes an appearance on the show. I love it. I love it. One more quick text, and we'll take a break. Big Dub Raider. Q, CO Moore is the answer to the question from your pod about who almost got the offsides for dancing with Khalil Mack. I only selfishly want Nelly because he'd be wearing my favorite number again since Adams didn't go back to 15. Go Raiders. That's from Big Dub Raider. And, yeah, uh, on my podcast, I was trying to remember who it was who was offsides on that that Thursday night game where Latavius Murray helped the Raiders beat the Chiefs and really had his breakout game. I was talking about Zamir White and how, to to me, uh, he, he was very similar. I think he's very similar to Latavius Murray, how he ended up being – you know, the guy, Latavius was, uh, what, he was put on IR the, his rookie year in 2013, and then he came back in 2014. And then in week uh, 12, week 12 against the Kansas City Chiefs when he had that big breakout game and helped the Raiders win their first game of the season, as a matter of fact. But, yeah, Khalil Mack and, and C.O. Moore were both offsides, and Justin Tuck called timeout, or else they probably would have lost that game to the Chiefs and probably would have never heard the end of it. So, uh, Big Dub Raider, thank you so much for that. I appreciate you. I couldn't think of C.O. Moore's name, but I always liked him. I think he was from UConn. I always liked C.O. Moore when the Raiders drafted him. He was one of those players, like, whatever happened to him? But he just wasn't that great. But to anyone that was a fan of the team, like myself, man, C.O. Moore was the dude, right? So <laughs> thank you so much for that, Big Doug Raider. I appreciate you. 337 is the time. We'll come back. We'll close out the show. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Unnecessary roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm gonna have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. You know what I hate the most is when I have an idea and a plan going into the evening or waking up this morning, early in the morning, I'll have a good idea. Something will hit me and I'll say, oh yeah, gonna talk about that on the show. And then I get caught up in work and everything that I'm doing at the station and then come on the radio and completely forget what I was gonna talk about. And when I got that text, on the Sam and S text line, 69187 keyword R&R from Big Dub Raider and talking about C.O. Moore, it reminded me that, duh, I was supposed to come on the show today and talk about Zamir White. That's what I meant to talk about. Instead, I talked about Nelly Aguilar, who's under contract with the Patriots. I spent more time talking about Nelly, who's in New England, talking to the media right now, than I did talking about Zamir White, who's actually drafted by the Raiders. That's what you call a fail. That's a fail. I failed. I sold the Kirby for for uh, for a bottom bottom dollar. I didn't get I didn't get a full pop on that one. That was a that was a low budget. That was just a, to force a sale. 
<laughs> Bobby said it's Tuesday. It's okay. You can make up for it the, the rest of the week. So we'll just talk about Zamir White briefly. I also want to let you hear from Commissioner Todd of the IFL uh, before the show's over. We got enough time. Uh, but I do want to ask about Zamir White. We know that Josh Jacobs didn't get his fifth-year option picked up. Uh, we know that, well, I believe that Josh Jacobs is going to ball out this year, have a heck of a season. I don't know what's going to happen after that. I don't think he knows what's going to happen after that. But none of that really matters. We do know Zamir White is a guy that was drafted in the fourth round. Comes from a, a winning program in Georgia. Uh, he's been there, done that. He's a guy who's overcome plenty of adversity. Uh, you know, and there's plenty of reports out right now. I know Jeremy Fowler from ESPN in particular uh, was talking about that the Raiders see him as the long-term running back. You know, the, the the lead dog in that in that running back room. Now, I don't know how long that's going to last for. Maybe they'll see him as the lead dog for about three years. You know, I mean, I, and, and I talked about Latavius Murray. That's why I brought him up on my podcast because once Latavius Murray took over as the lead dog, he was with the Raiders for a couple more years. And then in 2017, he went and signed a free agent deal with the Vikings. It's just the nature of the beast when it comes to the running back position. They just, the value is not there to go ahead and extend these guys, unless they're superstars, to go and extend these guys to a, a massive contract. I mean, think about this. Over the course of Samira White's uh, career uh, contract with the Raiders that he's going to have, he'll probably make about $3 million total. If they had picked up the fifth-year option on Josh Jacobs, they would have paid him $8 million guaranteed. I mean, think about how much of a difference that is. And that, unfortunately, like I said, is the devalue of the running back position. But I did want to know, what do you think Zamir White's role is going to be with the silver and black? What do you think he's going to do this year? I think he's going to be a running buddy with, with Josh Jacobs. I don't think he's going to. I think he'll probably get less than 100 carries this year. And then what do you think Zamir White's role with the Raiders will be in 2023? Do you think he'll still be a complimentary back? Do you think he'll be the lead dog back? What do you think? What do you believe Zamir White's going to be able to do? Now, this, again, it's May 10th, so it's so early. We'll get an opportunity to see what he could bring to the table in training camp. Well, actually, we'll get a up-close-and-personal look at him, should get an up-close-and-personal look at him this week for a rookie training camp and a rookie minicamp. And it's only three days, and they're not going to show a whole lot if they even allow us to be there. You know, so we, we don't have any idea. We thought that we were going to be in attendance for the, the, the mini camps that they were having earlier uh, when they got everything, their off-season workout program started. We weren't, and that's fine. You know, they, they, they plan their, their availability as they plan their availability, so we'll see. We have not received any kind of uh, email about media scheduling or anything, but, you know, if we get a chance to be out there and check them out, then we'll be out there and check them out. If not, well, then we'll wait till training camp. We know we'll be out there for training camp. You know, and then we'll see him in the preseason as well. But uh, just interested in your thoughts on, on what you think Zamir White's role is going to be in the next few years with the silver and black. If he can stay healthy, I can see him being I can I can see them turning to him as the as the lead back. I really could because I feel like his role, the way he runs, his running style and Josh Jacobs running style are very similar. And I feel like he's a guy that what I like about running backs, really good running backs, they usually fall forward instead of falling back. They'll fall forward. And they'll pick up an extra yard. That's when, when Zeke was really at his best. Zeke used to do that really well. Even when he had a minimal game, he always fell forward. And so he'd always pick up an extra yard. And I, I know an extra yard might not sound like a lot, but you do that four or five times, that extra yard's going to be, that's going to be, uh, you know, it's a, it's a thing. It, it, it turns into something. It's just a good habit if, if you could potentially do it. Josh Jacobs does it all the time, finds a way to get that extra yard. Those are what separates the, you know, some of the backs from the really good backs. The really good backs fall forward. The other backs get stoned and stop right in their, their tracks or else they lose yardage. You know, and then they look for that big home run to get, their, to get their yardage back up. You know, there's always those running backs that 
you know, it's like one yard gain, two yard gain, negative three yards, negative four yards. Oh, boom, 35 yard run. And then all of a sudden it looks like they average six or seven yards a carry. Like, oh man, that guy's fantastic. Yeah, but he's, Saquon Barkley's like that. Saquon Barkley gets a lot of negative runs, a lot of negative and, and very minimal. And then all of a sudden, boom, he'll hit a big one. And look, he's a guy that I don't think he's going to get extended by the Giants. I don't see that happening. And remember how high of a draft pick he was? I just don't see it. Unless you're a superstar, an elite, and Saquon Barkley's been injured too much. 702-365-9200, Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword r Talk to our guy, Mitch in New Jersey. What's on your mind? Welcome to the show. Hey, what's up? How's it going, Q? Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. But I've been some drift. Uh, I mean, um, Sam Donald will be out again with another team. And then Barkley, uh, you know, I thought he was a really good running back from um, Penn State. Mm-hmm. They take too much of a beating. They gotta give them, They got to give the running backs a little bit of the wide receiver. Uh, treatment yep. or uh, Tom Brady treatment, they'll last longer. But I, I called, would they trade Josh uh, Jacobs? Um, trade bait. Because I like the running backs, especially as a uh, White, uh, Zemir White. I think he's going to be good. You still have uh, uh, Kenyon Drake, right? Yep. I yep. think you get the most for something for, for Josh Jacobs. And it, I don't think you, you fall, fall forward. You're not going to get, you know, six feet. That's two yards. <laughs> you make that's a little too uh, – it doesn't happen. I, I'm almost six feet, but I'm no way in having but no way I'm falling. You're going to get six feet. But it's okay. Um, that, thanks for taking my call. And you think you can trade Jacobs for a second-round pick or a first? Okay. Thank you for the call, Mitch. I appreciate you. I don't think that you can get a first or a second-round pick, unfortunately. Uh, for Josh, not not because of him, but because of his position. Again, I mean, that's it's all goes back to his position. Think about this. I mean, he's basically going to get paid what two point one million this year, you know, and then be a free agent next offseason. Uh, you just running backs, they just they the value is just not there. They'll go and get him like a Zamir White. You got Zamir White in the fourth round. They're talking about making him the starter. Or I'm not saying the Raiders are talking about him, but we're having that conversation about him being the potential starter when he was the guy that uh that that was taken in the fourth round. I just don't see it. Look at some of these names. My guy Chad Forbes actually put this out on Twitter. Nothing speaks more to the devaluation of the running back position than the next year's free agent group. Listen to these names in next year's free agent group when it comes to running backs. Tony Pollard, David Montgomery, Miles Sanders, Saquon Barkley, Daryl Henderson, Damian Harrison, Kareem Hunt, Josh Jacobs, Devin Singletary, uh, Dearness Johnson. Just to name a few. Just to name a few. All those that I just mentioned, for the most part, are pretty high profile. They're not superstars, but they're pretty high profile. And you look at the superstar like a C-Mac, a Christian McCaffrey. What's happened to him since he's got a deal? Nothing. Bobby's ran for more yards than him since he's got the deal. <laughs> I've ran for more yards just about. I mean, C-Mac's done nothing since he's got the deal. And again, that goes to the value of the, the position, or, the, or like Chad said, the devalue of the position. I hate that. I hate that for these guys because they should get they, they get beat up so much. They should get the 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 wide receiver money. The, the way these wide receivers are getting paid now, I would love to see running backs get paid like that. It's just not gonna happen. Teams are like, no, we'll just go get another one. So I don't I don't blame these guys for getting as much money as they can when they can, because man, it'll be gone quick, fast, and in a hurry. Let's get to another call real quick. 702-365-9200. Let's talk to our guy James. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind? What's going on with you, Q? Hey, chilling, Slow Jam James. What's going on? <laughs> Not a whole lot. Hey, um, first off on the Aguilar thing, um, I look at that like I look at my, my old Kirk Morrison jersey. 
it was nice when I had it, but it's gone now. So <laughs> you, you, you got you got to move on. Got to move on. I love but, it. But um, as far as as Zamir White and um, Josh Jacobs goes, I, the way I see it is um, I'm looking at Zamir White as more of the of the power back and. Josh Jacobs gets a chance to do what he did very well when he was at Alabama. When you remember, Josh Jacobs was never a twenty carry back at Alabama. Right. He was he was the pass catcher out of the backfield. He was the open space kind of guy. So being that that's the kind of offense that uh we are currently going to be running, you're gonna see a lot more of Josh Jacobs be that open space kind of receiver, three, four catches, maybe 10, 12 carries. Amir White's probably going to be looking at about the same amount of carries, maybe 15. Um, and then, you know, you look at 2023, and, you know, it's very rare that, that uh, running backs get that second deal with the same team. So right. you look at 2023, and you look at Zamir White with the potential, if he can prove that he can be healthy the entire season this season, um, next season, he could be that uh, that bell cow kind of back where he's getting about 20 carries, but you're still going to need that pass catcher. So it's going to be very interesting. This is one of the things that I tweeted about earlier is that this running back room is going to be probably one of the bigger storylines of the of the training camp and, and the preseason. So I'm, I'm, I'm all in. I'm looking forward to it. Hey, good stuff, my man. And, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a great competition. I think there's competition all over the field during training camp. You know, I think the offensive line is going to be a ton of competition. Uh, the running back room is going to be a ton of competition. Uh, I think the guys like Brian Edwards, as far as the wide receivers, they're going to have to uh, prove their worth. I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of competition going around. Defensive line, forgot to mention them. Uh, hopefully cornerback. I'm hoping that cornerback room is very competitive. I know Trayvon Mullen's going to be coming back. I know that, uh, you know, Rocky Sin is there. I know there's other guys. Anthony Averett are there. I, I know there's there's dudes that are there, but I would love to see some real deal competition where someone someone really good is going to lose out, right? I mean, that's that's what you ideally want. You want to see that linebacking core. You don't want them to have to go out there and get somebody in, uh, in, in like, try to trade for them like they did last year or look for a free agent because, well, they just don't have anyone. They got guys banged up. You want to be able to have some depth. That's what they have to try to start developing along this uh, this squad. So uh, we'll see how it all shakes out. But thank you for those calls. I do appreciate you. A lot of good stuff. Uh, real quickly, let's go ahead and go to this conversation that we were able to have yesterday over at the Dollar Loan Center talking about the IFL championship. The commissioner of the IFL, Todd, was in town, and he knows Chuck from the Dollar Loan Center very well. They're from the same city. But uh, here was that quick conversation. So was this Chuck's brain child or was this yours? Well, if you're asking me, I'll take credit for it at this point. But no, Chuck has been great. Chuck and Mary, they're they're great to to work with. And yeah, as soon as we got the team done and, and got things up and going, and saw how exciting the product was, it didn't take long for him to uh, call me and start lobbying, you know, to, to to bring our national championship game here. And and you know, the more he talked about it, the the more it made sense. Sounds like it's been something that's been in the back of your mind for a while to have a neutral site, uh, something you can plan on. You know, it is because it's it's tough. In, in the past, when you host your championship game, usually you only have a week or two to promote it, and it's at the top-seeded uh, location. And, and now to have 90 days, that seems like a uh, but then a, a year and then another year, you know, you can build yourself a foundation. And you know, each year, like any event, each year you're, you're, you're building it bigger and bigger and bigger. Are you selling Vegas or are you selling the championship game when you promote this? 
you know, they kind of go together. Yeah. It's the championship game in Vegas. Uh, you know, the, both of them, you know, have got a little pizzazz to it. And, uh, you know, now Dollar Loan Center, IFL National Championship uh, in, in Vegas. It's it's going to be event, an, an event. And, you know, it's something that I always like to say that we're going to throw a, a really, really big show. It's going to be the best show in town. And at some point, a football game is going to break out. <laughs> How long will it take you to know if you want to return more than just the three years? You know, I, I think... Uh, off the bat, you get good feelings about things. And, and, you know, anytime you come into this venue, I mean, I'm sure you guys experience it here today. You come in here, and it just it feels like a football game should be here. Right. And so I, I think uh, pretty quick, because uh, we host our ownership meetings, and we have a Hall of Fame banquet. And, I mean, it's, it's a big event for us. And there's, in our opinion, this is going to be an outstanding spot to, to bring it to. And once you get a taste of it, I'm guessing you're going to want to come back. Have you had to block Chuck's calls yet? I he's trying to get 10 years. <laughs> no, you know, as soon as I committed to three, he kind of chilled out a little bit. We, we got a little work to do here for uh, uh, August 13th. Right. And, and uh, I'm guessing after that game, he might start uh, right. lobbying for more years. But uh, let's take, uh, you know, August 13th. Uh, for, let's get that taken care of first. Is it unusual, though, that a first-year team, City, gets the championship game on a long-term deal? You know, I don't even view it as that way. I mean, yes, you've got an outstanding uh, team here that's building, and if you haven't been to the game, you need to get to a game. But we more looked at the location. We more looked at the partnerships that are involved with Dollar Loan Center and, and, and Team Foley. They're two outstanding groups to, to partner with, and they're going to help us put on the show. There it is right there. That's the commissioner of the IFL talking at the Dollar Loan Center on Monday about the championship game being in Henderson at the DLC uh, for the next three seasons starting August 13th. And, of course, the, the Henderson Nighthawks are the IFL team right here in town. So if you want to go check out a heck of a game, uh, that's a place to go see it and go check them out and see what they have to do. But, man, that championship game should be a lot of fun. We've heard from the commissioner. We've heard from the governor. And we also heard from Chuck. Just call him Chuck. That's all we'll do. How about Vinny Bonsignor? We'll hear from him next. In the huddle, 4 to 6 p.m. is coming up in your ear hole next. This is Raider Nation Radio 920.